0: Hello, and welcome to Midweek in the Word podcast, brought to you by Faith Bible in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every week, we strive to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. Look for us every Wednesday where you stream your podcasts. Here's our host, Faith Bible's Adult Ministries Pastor, Brad Myers.
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. We want to provide a brief notice of what you'll see over the coming weeks here on the podcast. We're going to be breaking from our Bearing Witness series over the summer and into the fall in order to highlight some of our best past episodes. So as you're listening, you will notice there's a bit of a reference gap. We'll note things that don't quite line up with the timeline, but Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with new content in September. We hope you enjoy these episodes. Last week, we began our discussion um, by reading Faith Bible's statement of faith as we transitioned into that, and then allowing you to build off of that with God the Son. I want to do the same thing with the Holy Spirit, um, though I expect our conversation might take a slightly different turn related (laughs) to the Spirit than it did the Son. Let me read from Faith Bible Church's statement of faith on the Holy Spirit. We believe in the full divinity, or the full deity, excuse me, of the Holy Spirit as eternal and co equal with Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, brings new life to those who were once spiritually dead, and baptizes or places all believers into one true universal church. The Holy Spirit permanently indwells every believer beginning at the moment of salvation and seals them unto the day of their final redemption. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts for ministering to others, guides believers in all truth, and empowers them to live in victory over sin." Uh, This is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, God the Spirit. Okay, so Tom, going off of that, what does the Bible say about God the Spirit?
2: Well, we're introduced to it almost immediately in the Bible, and it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So all the way pre-creation, we discovered that the Spirit of God is there, which means he's He's eternal, mm-hmm. and as we said in our doctrinal statement, he is God. He is equal to and uh, the same as in unity or in essence, that is, with the Father and the Son. So it, it tells us that that he is uh, the person of the Godhead, but he is the active I want to be careful how I put that, but he is the active force that is at work doing the work of the Father and the Son in the world and uh, in Earth today. So we we see him throughout the Scripture doing the work of God on Earth in uh, human people as as God's at work. So
1: very good. It's, it's just a
2: huge picture. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I I know we're going to get here in one of the probably one of the key texts talking about Jesus saying, I've got to go and I've got to send the spirit. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to get there here for a second, but I just, I want to talk yeah. a little bit with you here briefly about some of the things we talked about, because you're saying the, he, he's the one carrying out, you yeah. know, in a lot of ways in the world, um, the roles. And we talked about a few roles here in the doctrinal statement, bringing life to those that are spiritually dead, baptizing all believers into the true church, um, sealing people for redemption, uh, giving spiritual gifts uh, these roles talk a little bit about the role of the holy spirit
2: well he is he is not only as it were our comforter but but he is the one who walks alongside he, he is um, he, he is the one who encourages and strengthens us enables and empowers us. But he is the one that raises us from death to life, Ephesians chapter 2. We mm-hmm. were once dead in our trespass. He has made us alive. Well, it's the work of the Spirit that does that. Uh, in Ephesians chapter One, we are told that he is the engagement ring of promise that ultimately God will fulfill Mm. uh, his commitment to us in eternal salvation. And between the moment of our believing, he puts the Holy Spirit in us permanently, as it were, putting the ring on our finger, promising that I will meet you at the altar, Mm. I'll take it all the way to completion, and then along the way, he continues to work not only remolding and shaping us from the inside out, as uh, as he is the indwelling life of Christ in us, but he works through us to allow us to make an impact for His glory mm. on the people around us. The spiritual gift enablement thing, yeah, a special yeah. ministry and a special call. So, uh, yeah, he, he is the one that brings unity to his church. That mm. It's the one thing we all have in common, and yep. that is the indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, According to Romans chapter 8, he's the secret to victory over the temptation and the struggles of sin. As Paul says, you know, who will set me free from this Mm. body of sin? I'm a slave to the habits of my heart. Who's going to set me free? Thanks be to God. There is now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. And he moves immediately then to the ministry of the Spirit. Mm. It's the indwelling Spirit who enables us. To experience that victory so it's it's got a multifaceted ministry, yeah. but it's always in relationship to accomplishing the father's will in the lives of the father's people
1: mm yeah there's there's a uh, a a joint unified purpose obviously we talked with with Dean a little bit about the initiatory or catalyzing aspect of the the plan of the father yep. and then obviously the incarnation the execution of salvation yep. on the part of the son and then you get all of these continuing effect roles that the holy spirit plays in people's lives, yeah, and it's it's funny. I, I I find the the term that the term that comes to mind, obviously, again, probably we're going to talk about this passage, but that idea of Paraclete, yep. you know, the, of the helper. Yep. in a lot of ways, it, it it speaks to a lot of these these roles that the Spirit plays in our lives.
2: Yeah, he 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 is the one that enables. Or Jesus called him that another comforter. It's better for you that I go mm-hmm. away, and then if I go away, I'll send you another comforter. He has been with you; he will be in you. Yeah. And then on the day of Pentecost, you know, Peter's up preaching, yeah. and he talked yeah. about the promise of the Spirit from the Old Testament promise. Yeah. And they, their experience at that point had been that their kings, their prophets, other specific individuals for a particular purpose were empowered by the holy yeah. spirit came upon but i always think about psalm 51 when yeah. when david's finally confessional and he says, don't remove your Holy Spirit from me. And you're thinking, why is he so passionate about that? Well, as a young man, he sat in the palace of Saul, who had once been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. God removed the Holy Spirit and allowed evil spirits to take control. And David saw the insanity that <laughs> comes to one who has once had the Spirit yeah. and not. So now he says, I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you permanently, which is a great mm-hmm. encouragement. So.
1: Yeah, I know that talking about the roles and the empowerment, the enablement of the spirit. Yeah. I, I find that that the Saul example to be such a such a prime example yeah. of that reality. You know, we see Saul, this this coward that's hiding in the luggage, and then yeah. all of a sudden the Spirit empowers him. He's anointed for this kingly role. He goes and he's prophesying and doing all these yep. things, and then God <laughs> removes the Spirit and he starts to do some. Crazy stuff, Totally lost his mind. You know, and so it's this odd yeah. dichotomy that we see. And you understand, you know, David's yeah. saying as the king, in order to do what you call me to do, yeah. I have to have the enabling of the Spirit. Yeah. Which is so relevant for us as believers in order to yeah. do what Christ has to called do. us to, we also have to have the empowering of the Spirit.
2: Well, and we're back, again, this... The Spirit came upon Christ at baptism as a dove, visibly, mm. in order to empower. So as we study the Gospels, realize that even though Jesus is fully God, yeah, he has laid aside the benefit of those attributes and, and lived out his life in dependence upon the Holy mm. Spirit, which reminds us that we cannot do God's will <laughs> apart from dependence on the Holy Spirit. If Jesus mm. was that, we also need to be that.
1: Very good. All right. So then this is our, this is our understanding of the Holy Spirit, this fully, fully, full member of the Trinity, which we have a tendency to kind of, we've already talked about this on the podcast a little bit, minimize the role of the Holy Spirit or not be as cognizant of the Holy Spirit, maybe a bit here. um, These specific roles he carries out. Uh, We've already talked about some of these passages, but where do we go in the Bible to understand these things, Tom?
2: Well, if you want to study the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, uh, typically you would go first to John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus uh, unpacks that. He will be the one that will guide you into all the truth. He'll be one that will convict the world of sin, mm-hmm. righteousness, and judgment. So you start with John chapters 14, 15, and 16, and then clearly you, you need to go to the book of Acts, where mm-hmm. we see it's really called the Acts of the apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, the whole, if you trace the Holy Spirit through Acts and you've got the baptizing, that is the identification of the placing of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the promise that all who believe will receive the Holy Spirit. And then uh, Paul spends quite a bit of time unpacking the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in his letter to the Galatians who have defaulted from their faith-based Christianity that is salvation by grace alone to faith alone in Christ, Jesus alone period, and they have said well it 's by faith in Christ and the application of the law conformity to the yeah. law yeah. and Paul goes, no no no, no he said, if you walk in the spirit you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So in Galatians, especially chapter five, he said, you can tell if you're walking in the flesh or the spirit, it's one or the other. Here's the evidence of the fruit of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19, but here's the fruit of the spirit. And so you've got the work of the spirit all the way through. And then, by the time you get to the book of Revelation, again, the Spirit shows mm-hmm. up over and over as God yeah. wraps all of human history together in the final culmination.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I want to back up to one thing you said here real briefly before we move on to where there's some disagreement on, on this, the Spirit, because there is. There's definitely yeah. a little bit more in this doctrine than in some of the previous ones we've talked about. Um, but Galatians 5, talking about that keeping in step, walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. I know one of the questions I get frequently from people is, what does that mean? Uh, any no. any chance you can shed a little light on that <laughs> idea for us, Tom?
2: Well, the text reads, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and desires of the Spirit against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other and keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you will not be under the law. And, and so basically the Spirit is, is promised all the way back in, uh, in Jeremiah 31 and mm, Ezekiel mm-hmm. 34, the New Covenant— and he would he would write the law on the fleshly tablets of our heart rather than the external law on the stone, and that that work is the work of the spirit. The spirit would indwell. So, in in practical terms, he's said that the spirit is alive and well within us, confirming according to Romans eight that we are the sons of God. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's almost. I want to be careful. It's almost mystical. It's subjective. And that is that he is a living person. He is the voice of God within. Mm. He never will lead or speak against anything that's in print in the scriptures. But in particular moments, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to have the fruit of the Spirit? It's that sensitivity to that quiet voice
1: mm.
2: that that warns you when you're Beginning to take a deviant path, mm-hmm. or affirms for you that you are walking in the center of God's will, and so it, it is. It, it is hard to explain, but it's the reality that God is actively alive within you, confirming the Word and directing your steps.
1: Mm-hmm. And I love that you're talking about confirming the word, that aspect. Obviously, one of the doctrines we talked about when, when we were speaking of Scripture is the inspiration yes. of the Holy Spirit. Yes. You know, so it, it it's exactly confirming what you're talking about. The reality is the Spirit's not going to tell you to do something that he yep. said differently in the word of God. God doesn't change. Yep. That's, that's not how things work. It's going to be a confirmation of yep. what Scripture has spoken um, and a reaffirmation of a willingness to live that out. Yep in our, li- in our yeah. lives in a way that we wouldn't be able to do in our own power. I yeah, and when the Spirit's
2: that. alive in someone, those that knew the person before look and say, you're not the person you were before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It so radically changes the inner person that the external expression of that person is recognizably different. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, but there's also the danger of saying, well, the Spirit told me— yeah, and it's like when somebody throws that down in front of you, it's like, how are you going to argue with God? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so again, it's it's if it if it harmonizes with the Scripture, you just kind of pray about it, let it go. Mm-hmm. If it contradicts the Scripture, you can be absolutely sure that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, it, it, and, and the caution there is because John wrote that in his first letter: test the spirits. Mm. You know, be discerning yeah. to know because there are many spirits. Out there, and the adversary will replicate or imitate, as it were. So, be careful that the voice you're listening to is the voice of the spirit. How Mm. do I confirm that? I would say by the word, by talking to godly people and saying, This is what my heart is telling me. Is that the spirit, or is that a false spirit that's leading me that way? And uh, I I think, and then just learning over time, just like a baby learning to walk. So it is for a baby Christian. Over time, you learn to walk and step with the Spirit, mm. and you don't stumble quite as often. You don't fall down quite <laughs> as much. You don't get quite as discouraged along the way.
1: Very good. Well, you're already kind of beginning to speak into some of the differences within Orthodoxy of Christians as they try to kind of figure out this this area that... We we get some, some generic things, but when it comes to kind of the subjective aspect of this, yeah. where there is some wiggle room. Yeah. So what are the disagreements between believing Christians on this doctrine of the spirit?
2: Well, from, for, from my own personal history, uh, one, of the, one of the major early confusions was what— what does it mean to have received the Holy Spirit? At what point do you receive the Holy Spirit? Mm. He, says, he says, those who believe, they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So is it that moment of belief and the Spirit moves in? Or is it a subsequent blessing, what we call the second blessing, mm. that's evidenced by speaking in a language you've never learned before and all? So there is, there is in evangelical circles, debate about that Is yeah. is, uh, I've trusted in Jesus and I'm waiting for the incoming of the Holy Spirit is evidenced in this gift of tongues or some mm. other ecstatic experience. So that's one. A second one is, is, would the Spirit of God bring new revelation if he, in fact, was the author of the Scripture? Can he continue to speak the mind of God so that I receive messages or prophecies mm. directly from mm-hmm. God via the Spirit? That that then take almost equal authority with written text or the written truth of the word. I think a, a third area that is a concern is: Does the Spirit of God genuinely indwell us all the way through? And I'm thinking of the tension. I'm going to preach Hebrews come the fall and uh, and the question: how, how can those who have once tasted of the Spirit mm-hmm. and yet they reject? So is the Spirit a permanent indwelling promise, or is he? temporary? And can my sin, my decisions remove him from my life? Am I to fear the thing that David feared? Don't remove your Holy Spirit from me. So I would say that. And then probably the other one is just that, as we talked about before, discerning the will of God and the accountability for that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's like, well, we've been praying about it and the Spirit told us and once you're there, is that the voice of God? So, so what's the checks and balances yeah. on the spirit has led or whatever? So, you know, in, in the church, for us, we have we have eight elders whose task is to sit together and in a unified way listen to the voice of the spirit in the direction for the body and for the congregation. Hmm. So, for the corporate gathering, we, we, God has worked in such a way that He'll bring harmony and a clarity of understanding. But for the individual, he's got the Word, and he's got his body-life connections, and just that that sense of confirmation.
1: Mm. And I know uh, you've already spoken to it a little bit. We obviously can't address the idea of the spiritual gifts comprehensively yep. on in this episode, at least I I think we're coming back to it at some later time when we're talking about the church, but um, there's even some disagreement amongst, you yes. know, spiritual gifts as yeah. far as, you know, that idea of which ones are active, which ones aren't yeah. active, what is going on, uh, which kind of is related to what you're talking about as far yep. as some of these other things yeah. We're we're, we're, we're not really sure on a few things yeah. here when it comes to practically applying the spirit, you know, like yeah. what is the effect it, you know, sort of thing, but the doctrine of you know the divinity and, and yeah. those things are all all pretty pretty set. I
2: think that yeah, I think I think when it comes right to the to those core doctrinal positions, there's pretty much universal in yeah. evangelical circles in conservative Bible circles understanding about his deity, his role that, that he fulfills the commands and the directives of the Father, the Son. He says that yeah. my Father will send you. I will send you the Holy Spirit. I think the other. Danger is uh, again, as uh, we talked to when we were talking about the Trinity. And Francis Chan published the book "The Forgotten God,"
1: yeah, yeah. And,
2: and that is is that we we want to completely eliminate, or in rediscovering, we actually work, worship the Spirit separate from the Father and the Son, and there's no okay. biblical exhortation to do that, yeah. nor example to do that, that, that he is worshiped as part of the Godhead, but never in isolation by himself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of that classic example of you can you can veer off into either ditch or fall off the horse at the yeah. either side. Yeah. That yeah. reality, it's, yeah. it, it'd be a shame to, to overemphasize the spirit to the detriment of the others. Right. It's also a shame um, to avoid uh, the spirit's role as a result of that Okay, so these are kind of some of the areas that within within Orthodox Christianity, there's some differing opinions on yeah. exactly the way this works out within churches, within individual believers' lives. What about heresies? Are there things that we would look at this and say, no, that that is definitively out of bounds when it comes to an understanding of the Spirit?
2: Well, it, 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 certainly the term we've brought up before, and that is the modalism, is, mm-hmm. a, is a heresy. Is, again, is he is it just one God? Manifesting himself in three different manifestations or modes at a time, that, that would be one. I think the other heresy is that we we simply see the Spirit as some dynamic force from yeah. God as opposed to a person. Yeah. Uh, and so to to continue the, the deity of the person of the Holy Spirit as the full essence of the Godhead, and as I said before, there were just some famous Christian musicians who, after a few years, suddenly realized one of the doctrines they did not embrace: to believe that God the Father and God the Son were deity. They did not see mm-hmm. the Spirit of God as deity. So we need to be certain that we, we keep him as part of the Godhead.
1: <laughs> what would be some things to listen for for our listeners to, to try to identify that? Because again, this is an example of something that's fairly subtle, that obviously you know, the listeners of those musicians didn't know it. They, I, don't, I don't know where, at what point they came to that conclusion. Yeah. But what are some things that we can kind of be listening for to be like, I, I think that's denying the personhood of the third member of the Trinity?
2: probably probably it's just the expression of the of the dynamic nature or the power to, more mm-hmm. emphasis put on on the strength of power representing god as opposed to the person i i, I think it would uh, i was trying to think of any articulation i've heard of that and and i guess that would be you just you you hear this kind of uh alluding to his a dynamic strength of God as opposed to the person mm. of God. Mm. But if it's repeated, I mean, that's a statement we'll make along the way. But if if we just stay there with yeah. it, you need to define. Are are we talking about God here? or Are we just talking about God's influence?
1: Mm. I think. And I, I yeah, that, I think that's probably the most common thing that I've begun to hear is people dance around the issue a little bit. But when somebody's kind of trying to dance, but but they're pretty consistent. Generally, it's not a personal pronoun.
2: Yeah. you know, they're, yeah. they're,
1: it's exactly that idea of it's a force or an effect yeah. or yeah. Yeah. it's always it. You know, the spirit is always yeah. it rather than he. You know, yeah. and that idea very much so. Okay, so we'll keep an eye out for these two heresies. Um, okay, so th- then this is where it gets a little bit tricky because the next question is how does this impact the way we live our lives? And it's a little tricky because obviously most of the areas that believers disagree on is, is exactly how the, the Spirit's influence yeah. <laughs> plays out in our lives. Yeah. Um, but from your perspective, Tom, um, what, is, what is the application of understanding the doctrine of the Spirit in our lives? Well,
2: as a child, I was taught early by my parents that that the Romans 8, he searches the heart, knows what the mind of the spirit is because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to Mm. the will of God. So Mm. he empowers and enables and directs our prayer life. Um, So even when you don't know how to pray, as you're crying out trusting in him— he prays for you. He also guides our steps according to the will of God. He he, he leads us in paths of righteousness according to the revealed truth mm-hmm. of the Scriptures as well as that voice. That's, that's the, the walking in the Spirit, uh, in harmony with the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5.
0: Yeah. And then
2: I think also just that that he he makes me a different man than I was before, the fruit of the Spirit, that he... Teaches me how to love, yeah. as manifested through joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, yeah. long suffering. Those kinds of things, he creates and does in me. Uh, when he tells us in First Corinthians fifteen, not become weary because. Hmm. Uh, All our ministry is not vain. Well, why not? Because of chapter 12, he says, because he has empowered you by the Holy Spirit with spiritual gifting. Mm. So all of a sudden, in ministry, when I align his gifting with this opportunity, he gives the strength and the power to accomplish it, and uh, he does it for his glory. So uh, in just practical terms, life without the Holy Spirit is death and life with the holy spirit is truly life. Mm. And so it's to your advantage that i go away because if i go away i'll send you another comforter he's been with you and he will be in you. Yeah. He will dwell with you. So yeah, he is he is the the very breath of god living in us.
1: Mm. Yeah, i think if i if i had to settle on maybe one word for what you're saying is it, it's really hope. Yeah. The, you know, the indwelling of the spirit gives us the hope a promised victory. Yeah. You know, it helps us not get discouraged when we don't see the instant transformation knowing that. The Spirit is at work in our lives. It helps us no. to not look to Galatians six and be like, "I have to make myself loving and joyful and patient and and self controlled." And obviously, I can position myself by reading the Word, by prayer, by yeah. being with other believers. I can position myself um, to be prepared for that. But the Spirit has to change my That's heart, right. and right. it gives us such a hope. And then, obviously, the reality of the security that you're talking about—the yeah. seal of our eternal yeah. salvation—that yeah, he puts that us a well. ring on our finger. Yeah, and said I'm not taking it off
2: until we get to the altar.
1: Mm. Yeah. The Spirit is such an incredible reminder of the hope that we have through the gift of Christ. No doubt. Well, listeners, let me let me hit some of the high points here for us that Tom talked about. As as I'm sure we haven't answered all your questions, <laughs> the Spirit is, a, is a, obviously a worth more of a, a weighty discussion than we've got. But let me hit some of the things that we talked about. First of all, remember, a Spirit is eternally and equally God, a full member of the Trinity. Uh, be careful of kind of diminishing that reality, that His role is as a comforter, an enabler, an empowerer, a securer. Um, he opens our eyes to salvation. Some of these things we've talked about from a number of different places in Scripture, though, that John 14 through 16 is an excellent place to go if you're looking for more information on the Spirit. Um, also, Luke and Acts, as we talked about, you know, the you know Luke writing both of those books yeah. really emphasizes the role of the Spirit. They would be a good study if you're interested in more information. Um, there are... There's a, I'm not going to say significant in, in significant or a big disagreement in significance, but a fair amount of disagreement when it comes to the application of the spirit, when it comes to spiritual gifts, when it comes to the filling of the spirit, when it comes to kind of the role of the spirit in discernment and and those sorts of things. Also keep an eye out for a couple of the heresies. We're going to keep talking about modalism, that idea of God, you know, the Holy Spirit is fully God. So keep an eye out for that force idea, um, people that would deny the personhood, the full deity and personhood of the Holy Spirit, and then just rest in the hope that we have. Um, That's a reminder of the Spirit's presence in our lives. Any final thoughts on this subject, Tom, for our listeners?
2: Well, again, it's it's intriguing that that there's even any question about the Holy Spirit, in it? Hmm. Chapter 1 of the Bible, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. Chapter 6, it says, My Spirit will not strive with men or dwell in men continually, Uh And then you come to the New Testament, and you have the promise of the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then the very end of the whole book, Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Hmm. Let the one who hears, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. He is the one who quenches the the soul through the ministry of the Spirit. Hmm. So uh, he is the beginning and the
0: end again of the book. Thanks for taking time to join us for Midweek in the Word. To hear previous podcast episodes, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Bible Lincoln, or tweet us at FBC Lincoln. And now we leave you with these encouraging words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.